All right, good morning. Turn with me to John chapter 21. John chapter 21. As our kids file out, it's awesome to have them in here. John chapter 21. Uh, we're talking about, uh, we're in a series, the, the, the uh, theme of our year is each one, reach one. The series we're in right now is WDJD. What did Jesus do? What are the things that Jesus did to uh, keep himself uh, well, actually, to model for us how to stay strong, how to stay faithful, how to stay relevant, how to stay effective in ministry, and actually how to survive life as a follower of Jesus, right? Listen, if you don't know how to activate your faith on a daily basis, how to live in your faith on a daily basis, how to allow your faith to help you through the tough times, how to allow your faith to help you handle the victories then you are simply going to be living life, as Zach said, in a way that you choose to live life. See, faith is, living the life of faith is a choice for us. We choose to follow Jesus Christ. He said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. He gave us a choice to follow. Even after you accept him as your savior, it's your choice to follow. You have to choose. And that's what we're going to be talking, that's what we've been talking about. And that's what we're going to be uh, continuing to dig into. John 21 verses 24 and 25 say this. This is the disciple. This is the disciple. Don't talk too fast. Slow down. You won't trip over your words. Okay. This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if every one of them were written down, I suppose not even the world itself could contain the books that would be written. Whatever Jesus did, everything in he, that he did in his life, in his ministry, was relevant to us. It was all relevant to us and for us. He lived life as a model and a pattern for us to follow. When we read about the way Jesus dealt with people, when we dig into his conversations, I was just talking with someone about John chapter 3, talking about... Uh, Salva explaining salvation to, to children and not getting too deep in the weeds in theology. Listen, when you talk to somebody about faith that doesn't know Christ as their Savior, don't get into the theology of the point. They don't know that. That comes later on. Jesus says if you have faith as a child, then you can inherit the kingdom of God. Or in other words, you can accept me as your Savior. And in John chapter 3, he was talking to a ruler of Israel and he broke it down in very simple terms that a child could understand, okay? So Jesus patterned and modeled a life for us to follow that if we follow it would be successful. And we've been looking at some of the things that Jesus did. What did he do? The first area that we're, we're looking at is this. Jesus managed his personal life. Been talking about this for a couple weeks. There were some specific actions that he took in his life that we can look at and understand and study and put into practice in our lives and to be successful as followers of his. The first two areas that we've already looked at were this, Jesus followed the Father's plan obediently, very difficult for us as adults to accept, right? Because we don't wanna to have to obey anybody, we are our own people, we can stand on our own two feet, we can do our own thing. But Jesus followed the Father's plan obediently. Last week, uh, we looked at Je the fact that Jesus proved his ministry with credibility, and integrity. Credibility and integrity. If you're going to live a life that honors Jesus Christ and makes a difference for others, 
credibility and integrity must be foundational truths of your life and your ministry. You try to cut corners, you try to undercut things. As a church, if we try to uh, do things without uh, following the legal procedures we're supposed to do, or, and especially the biblical procedures that we're supposed to, po- to follow, we break down and we undermine our own credibility. And when that is put to the test, and let me tell you, it will be at some point, we will lose that battle because we have not acted in credibility. And now right in the middle of the challenges to be involved in ministry, uh, we're going to look at what I consider a vitally important action that Jesus modeled for us regularly. He spoke about it in his word often so that we can know how to and learn how to continue to grind through our walk of faith and through our daily lives. Because sometimes, isn't that what it is? Sometimes life is a grind. Sometimes the walk of faith is a grind. It really is. And I'll tell you what, we've had a, we've had a long, long week. Anybody else had a long week? It's the first week out of school for most people, right? And if you've got kids at home, you've had kids at home. Enough said, right? Enough said. And uh, Bob, my, my Six Flags buddy, Bob, we have found the secret, okay? We, ha- we have found the secret. We took six boys from fifth grade. Now, there are two of them will be going into sixth grade this year, but fifth grade and under, six boys, we took the Six Flags. On, when did we go, Thursday? Monday and Wednesday. We went two times. On Wednesday, we took a total of six boys. And uh, yeah, it was great. It was awesome. Not a problem. No blood, no bones. Nobody fell off the, the high swings. Nobody got killed on Superman. We brought six boys home. It was awesome. And Bob and I didn't have to chase anybody around. We said, stay together, go. And they went, and they rode rides. It was awesome. It was awesome. It was great. But we did that twice, so that took up two days. And then we had, the, the boys had baseball. They've got their practice, and they've got tournaments this week and next week and the week after. So it's been busy. And you come to Sunday, and it's like, man, this has been a grind all week long. Sunday would, would be a real nice day to rest. Right? But no. It's church. And church is my priority. Church in my home, I'll give you a little insight into my home. My children don't have a choice. Okay? They don't have a choice. If you give your children choices now, at the age, if they're, if they're like elementary school, if you let them choose these things now, parents, just wait until they become teenagers. Because then they have some knowledge and they know that you'll equivocate and they know that you'll uh, give in and your battle will just really begin. So my boys don't have that choice. We go to church on Sunday mornings. There are times where they're like, ah, I'm tired. Well, we're going to church. My mother teaches a class at 10 o'clock. My boys don't have a choice. You go in and, listen, you leave, a, you leave two eight-year-olds alone for an hour, let them run around, there's going to be trouble going to be trouble, no doubt about it. And I know my two boys, there's going to be trouble, no doubt about it. It is much better. Well, you know, that's a long time. Oh, come on, man, they stood in school for seven hours a day. Truly. And you're going to complain about two and a half hours in church one day a week? 
Come on, mom and dad. I say this seriously. Get your spiritual life and heart together because you are not doing your children any services for not, for any good service for not making them, and I said that, not making them be in church. It's important for them. And I know it's a grind. I know it's difficult. But how do you survive that grind? Because there are times where one week bleeds into the next week, and it bleeds into the next week, and one month bleeds into the next month, and it becomes a grind, and it just keeps going. How do you survive that as a follower of Christ? And if you get involved in ministry and are, are involved in ministry, on top of your own life and your own family and all these things, now you've got the grind of ministry that just every Sunday comes every, every week. There's not a, I don't know if you know this, but there's not a week of the year that doesn't have a Sunday in it. It's, it's like a law of nature. That's the way it works. So that grind is constantly there. And let's be honest. We all know people who have given into the grind and have walked away and said it's just too much. I, do, I have enough to manage my home and my life and my family. I can't manage church as well. So maybe when things get a little easier, we'll pick church back up. But for now, I just can't handle that grind. And what you need to understand is if you incorporate church and a walk of faith in the right way, you'll understand how to deal with the grind. The grind's still going to be there, but you'll understand how to deal with it. And you'll be successful with it and in it. Which brings us to this next thing that Jesus did in his life. And he modeled for us. Jesus rested intentionally. Jesus rested intentionally. How did he handle the grind? Remember, when Jesus came down from heaven uh, and, and was born uh, to Mary, uh, the Bible says that uh, Jesus was all man and all God. There are those who will say, well, Jesus he spent his early childhood learning who he was. I believe that's false. I believe that when Jesus was born, he knew exactly who he was. It was called, it's called the hypostatic union. It's all God and all man. You, can't have, you, you cannot uh, be, uh, have the hypostatic union in your life because you're not God. But he could. And he had all the knowledge of God and all the knowledge of humanity at the same time. So Jesus didn't have to learn who he was. Okay? But Jesus came down to show us what life was all about. But by taking on the form of human flesh and a body of humanity, he also took on the limitations of a human body. Jesus felt fatigue. Jesus felt hunger. Jesus needed to rest. And in his life, in his ministry, he showed us the importance of resting. That's what we're going to be talking about in this message. In our society today, we struggle with taking a break, right? It's estimated, the studies will show you that 55% of all Americans who have paid vacation time don't take all of their paid vacation time. Because we're afraid, and, and when, you, when you dig into those, the reasons why, they're afraid to be passed up. They're afraid to lose their job to somebody. Because there's always some young up-and-comer who isn't willing, who, who doesn't need to take a vacation. Because they really have no life outside of work. And all they want to do is get ahead, right? So people are afraid to take that vacation time, so they go ahead and work without it. And, and they, they work through vacation rather than, than using that vacation. Those same studies show that people who don't take their vacation time are more unhappy, are more agitated, both at work and at home. 
So by not taking the vacation time that you're granted, that you work for, that you've earned, you are putting your whole life and your whole family in a vice and squeezing and something eventually is going to have to give. That lack of rest, of resting intentionally, taking a break, has an enormous impact on our spiritual lives as well. When we're not willing to take a break in our ministry time, in our daily lives, and we're going to explain what rest is, when we're not willing to take that time away for ourselves, for our own spiritual well-being, we're putting ourselves at risk of collapse. We're putting ourselves at risk of burnout. We're putting ourselves at risk of becoming disillusioned with the church, with the walk of faith, and simply walking away. Rest is good. Rest is important. Rest is necessary. Rest is vital for each of us if we're going to be successful as followers of Jesus. Chuck Swindoll, great pastor and author, said this, in place of our exhaustion and spiritual fatigue, God will give us rest. All he asks is that we come to him, that we spend a while thinking about him, meditating on him, talking to him, listening in silence, occupying ourselves with him, totally and thoroughly lost in the hiding place of his presence. Now, let's be honest. If I were to take a survey and have you all raise your hands and say, if you completely understand and practice that quote in your life, we would not have unanimous consent in here. Because most Christians don't understand the principle of rest. Most Christians, let's break it down to what it really comes out to uh, and what it really boils down to in our walk with the Lord. Most of us feel guilty, right? Especially you moms. You feel guilty about taking time for yourself. You feel guilty about what what others would say because we are such a society that that micromanages everybody's life and micro... um, microscopically looks at everything. One of the reasons people do that to you, by the way, can I give you a clue? If you're under 40, one of the reasons people do that to you is because you put your life out on social media. Okay? If you don't put your life on social media, nobody knows what you're doing. But if you put it out there, everybody and their brothers got an opinion about what you do and they're going to tell you about it because they think you are entitled to their opinion. We need to understand what rest as a believer is all about. Charles Spurgeon, the Prince of Preachers, one of my dad's favorite um, preachers to read uh, sermons by, said this, the bow cannot always be bent without fear of breaking. Rest is as needful to the mind as sleep to the body. Rest time is not waste time. It is economy to gather fresh strength. Rest is vital. These are two men who had massive ministries and led massive ministries, led literally thousands of people. Chuck Swindoll is read worldwide. And these men said the, the, it is vitally and incredibly important that we learn how to rest as Christians. So let's take some time and look at what Jesus said to us in his word and his life about the importance of practicing the principle of rest and what rest truly is. First fact I want to share with you is this. When done correctly, ministry can be intense and exhausting. When done correctly, 
When you serve, when you give all of yourself to Jesus Christ and you find out what you're, what, where you, you fit in and, and what part he wants you to play in his kingdom overall and in his local church, because the local church is what Jesus has established for us to reach our community. That is his way. So when you find out where you, where you fit in in the local church and where you can minister, man, we're called then to jump in. And we're not just called to jump in in ministry in the church. We're called to be evangelistic outside of the church and to reach outside of the walls of this church to reach those who are outside of the church. Remember, we live in the most post-Christian metropolitan area of the country. 66% of all those who live in the Springfield Holyoke metropolitan area are considered post-Christian. Only 9% of the entire state of Massachusetts claims to be born again. Listen, it's like fishing in a stocked pond. You cannot throw out a line without hitting a fish. People all over our area need Jesus. So it's not just about ministry in the church. It's also ministry out. And as we say here, life is ministry and ministry is life. So living your faith outside the walls of this church is ministry. And man, sometimes it's so difficult... It's so difficult to continue to do the right thing when doing the wrong thing would be the easy way out, right? Seriously, I was talking to Brian uh, earlier and we were talking about, uh, both of us, the pictures of health and vitality, talking about uh, steroids and working out, right? And because we're both big baseball fans, we're talking about those who have done that. And I'm of the opinion, and I, you, stand, you fall in the, in, in the spectrum on the scale of whatever you feel like, I think it's the way, I think it's a way of cheating yourself to get to where you want to be. As, as far as working out and things like that, I, that's just my opinion. It's a cheating way to get where you want. Sometimes as Christians, we can try to cheat our way through our walk of faith and not do the things we are called to do and we need to do because sometimes it gets to be too difficult. If you do it right, ministry and the life of following Jesus Christ is exhausting. <coughs> And it wears you out. You give and give and give. There comes a point in time where you've given so much that the well can run dry. And there are people, maybe some of you, who are serving right now from a dry well. You're running on fumes. You are running on past success and past Right now, it's just spiritual muscle memory. And you're just really just going through the motions of walking in faith. That's going to catch up to you eventually. And when it does, great is the fall of that house. So it's vitally important that we understand how to rest and refuel and replenish and regain what God wants us to have for our walk of faith. First of all, why do we need rest? Well, when you're weak, you're vulnerable. When you're weak, you're vulnerable. When you are weak, you're incredibly vulnerable. And let's just take a physical example, right? When, you are, uh, when you're exhausted, when you haven't um, eaten right, when, when you're not in, incredibly healthy and you haven't, uh, or, or you're just worn down, it's the easiest time to get sick, right? When you've worked yourself to exhaustion, it's the easiest time to get sick. Just the fact of the matter. When you're weak, you're vulnerable. The same 
thing is true as a follower of Jesus Christ. There's a reason that the, the spiritual walk is, is, is um, called a war. There's a reason why Paul writes about us as soldiers and it talk, he talks about this being warfare. There, there's a reason why God has given us an armor of a Christian. Because this is a battle we face. You need to be strong. You need to be ready to fight that battle. Because even though you get tired, Satan isn't going to give you a break. He's going to continue to attack, even if you're weak. And in fact, when you are weak and you are vulnerable, guess what? He's probably going, not probably, he's going to attack even harder. Because a, a soft target is an easy target. Isaiah 40, verse 30 tells us, we always look at this and we say, uh, we look at 40, Isaiah 40, 31, man, those who uh, trust in the Lord, they'll renew their strength, they'll rise up on wings as eagles, and we'll fly above the fray, and we'll be above the storm, and we're going to be champions. Oh, I... Look at Isaiah 40, verse 30 first. Youths may become faint and weary, and young men stumble and fall. That's why he says, wait on the Lord, trust in the Lord. Get yourself strong in the Lord. Because you're going to struggle, man. You're going to get tired. You're going to get weak. The young guys who are strong. Listen, my nephew Jeremy, they just had their, uh, Jeremy and Sarah just had their uh, second child a week ago. And uh, little Ava, she's beautiful. She's got a lot of hair. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. Jeremy has this old school lawnmower. It's one of those old massive contraptions that weigh like 12,000 pounds and they're walk behind, and they've got the levers on the side, and it's got a rope that you you have to wrap it around and pull it and start it. And I, you know, makes you feel like a man. <laughs> I got this thing started, yes. And it's got the walk behind, come along thing that you stand on top of, and you follow that. And I got that thing started, and my two little boys are out there playing baseball, and they're watching Daddy start the mower, and I'm gonna I'm gonna mow the lawn, right? So I start this thing up, and I'm fi fidgeting with everything, getting it started. Well. You ever tried to balance on one of those things? It's got one wheel in the middle, and it goes back and forth like this. Hey, knucklehead here had foot fusion surgery back in October. It's still not healed, yo. And it was not a pleasant experience. Let me just say that. I felt every screw in my foot, and I still do, because when you're old, you don't recover very quickly. My goodness. Thank you, Brian. <laughs> when you're weak, you're vulnerable. A young guy, Jeremy gets out here, and, and he gets on that stupid thing, and he's all over the place, man. He mows this lawn in, in a heartbeat, and he's done, and he walks away, and he goes and does something else. Me, not so much. <laughs> I might have done like a 20th of the yard I was like, I need to park this puppy. <laughs> and all I needed, listen, the, re the only reason I jumped on that thing was because I was, I, the boys were home, and I, was, I just didn't want to take the time to take the gas can up to the corner and get gas and use the riding mower. I'll do that next time. But, but even somebody like Jeremy, a young guy, 
who's strong and fit gets tired, gets worn out, becomes faint. So here in Isaiah, God is telling us, listen, no matter who you are, no matter how strong and fit and spiritual you think you are, you're going to get worn out. You're going to get worn down. And when you do, it's going to be a massive crash if you haven't taken time to prepare yourself and taken time to rest. That brings us to Isaiah 40, verses 28, 29, and 31. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the whole earth. He never becomes faint or weary. There is no limit to his understanding. He gives strength to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Jump to verse, and and that's where verse 30 comes in, about young men getting tired and, and worn out. Jump to verse 31. But those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not become weary. They will walk and not faint. He says, you're going to get tired. You're going to get worn out. But I am the resource. I am the source of strength and energy. And I never get tired. There is, never, there is not an end to my strength. There is not an end to my energy. When you get tired, when you get worn out, when you get just flat out dead to the world because you've given everything you had, that's the time to connect. And even before that is the time to connect. We need to constantly... How many of you let the light come on when you've got a low gas tank? Yes. I am the king of running out of gas. Just ask my dad. I am the the absolute king of running out of gas. I don't know how many times. Check the Guinness Book of World Records, king of running out of gas, probably got a picture of me. And And... You know, I'd run out of gas with money in my pocket, driving by seven gas stations, right? Can I get an amen? amen. That's right, man, because I do that. I do that all the time. We can always make another mile. That's it. That's it. I'm like Kramer on, on, uh, on Seinfeld, right? Let's see how far we can go. <laughs> on my truck now, my, my Chevy Silverado, I've got one of those little buttons that tell you, the, how far you can go, how much mileage is left in the fuel that you've got because the light's on. I'm, I'm getting smart enough, Mike. You shake your head and laugh at me. I'm smart enough now to where when that light comes on, I'm not going to risk it. Even though the computer says I've got 37 miles to go, I'm like, because I don't want to walk. It took, you know, three major surgeries to get me to the point where I don't want to walk 10 miles anymore just to get a gas can and walk back. But... We're like that with our spiritual lives too, right? We let ourselves go and go and go and go. You know what? I'll take time. I'll take time. I'll take. I'll read my devotions later. You know what? I'm just going to get this done. They're counting on me. They're counting on me. And we start loading on the guilt, right? Loading the guilt on ourselves. Listen, let me tell you, as the pastor of the church, we'll wait for you. We'll wait for you to take the time to get yourself spiritually renewed. Because I want you serving from a place of strength and power. I don't want you serving from a place of of weakness and worn out and lack of energy. Because when you serve from a a place of strength, when you serve from a place where you're full, man, it's contagious. Am I right? It's contagious, Lewis. It is contagious. People are going to catch your fire. And people are going to be excited about what you have. 
I used to love watching my oldest son, Zach, play baseball. I love watching Gabriel and Michael. Now, Zach was one of those kids that, uh, I know you, you probably couldn't tell about him now because he's so calm. Uh, <laughs> Zach was one of those kids that just had a passion for playing baseball. And he was, man, when he was in the dugout, his hands were up on the, on the fence and he's watching the game intensely, right? And he's just taking it all in. When he's pitching, if he hits some kid with a pitch, which he did often, <laughs> no lie, he would stand there, he'd put his hands on his hips like this and like, would you hurry up and get the first? I got to pitch to this next kid. Let's go. Let's go. Move it along. Move it along. One game, in one inning, he hit the first kid, struck the next kid out. Hit the next kid, struck the next kid out. Hit the, I'm not lying, hit the next kid and struck the next kid out. Struck out the side. That's all that matters, right? He hit one kid three times in a game. The fourth time the kid came up to the plate, he was crying. <laughs> don't make me hit. He did. He said, don't make me. I'm like, get in the box. <laughs> Listen, man, when you're full, when you have connected with Christ, and when you've taken the time to rest and refuel, the passion that you have for Jesus Christ is contagious. And that's what we want. That's what we need. That contagious Christianity, that contagious power of faith that says, listen, I may not know it all, but I know my source. And I know what he did for me. And I want to share with you what he has for you. Why else do we need to rest? Because life and the call of ministry aren't going to slow down. So you have to. Life isn't going to slow down for you. The call to ministry isn't going to slow down for you. If you've been here over the last two years, you, the, the term explosion describes this church. We, for those of you who haven't been, there was a point where we, had, we were down to 19 people. And here we are. And it's growing. It's not going to slow down. Kids are still going to be coming on Sunday morning. So we need people who will jump into ministry, who are going to get themselves involved and be willing to give out. But the more you give out, the more you've got to refuel and replenish yourself. Your life outside there, if you've got children now, I'm, I kind of chuckle at some of these young couples that had their first children last year and they're having their second kids this year. There's one couple that has one child right now that, uh, thank, you, thank you for ducking, Charity. They have one child right now that's getting ready to go into second grade. And correct me if I'm wrong, Jonathan and Mary, you're having twins, right? <laughs> yeah, buddy. Good stuff. Good stuff. Listen, I'll just, just let you know. For those of you who are getting ready to have more children after you've just had one, it doesn't slow down. Those kids don't give you a break. They don't say, oh, hey, mom, I see you're overwhelmed right now. So I'm going to go sit quietly in my rocking chair. And I'm going to model the knitting that you've been doing for so long. And we're just going to have a nice, relaxing afternoon. So you can catch up and have a cup of tea and read your book. Right? It doesn't happen that way, man. Life is not going to slow down. 
Ministry isn't going to slow down for you just because it gets busy. So what you need to do is get yourself ready to face the challenge that is ahead of you. If you don't, it's going to wear you out. If you don't, it's going to wear you down and you are going to collapse and great will be the fall of your walk with Jesus. Fact number two, sometimes we can get so busy that we, get, we forget to take care of our spiritual stuff. Right? Sometimes we do. We get so busy. We get so wrapped up in life. We get so wrapped up in ministry. We get so wrapped up in doing good things. Anybody ever have that? You get so wrapped up in doing good things for others, you forget to take care of your spiritual stuff. Well, listen, man, that doesn't give you a pass either. Because whether it's because you were doing good or whether you were just being lazy in your walk with the Lord, the result is going to be the same. You're going to be worn out, tired, and you're, you're going to collapse spiritually. Sometimes we forget to do those things. So we have got to put into place definitive actions in our lives. Set aside time every day so that we can refuel and replenish ourselves. Mark chapter 6, verses 30 through 32. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that had been all that they had done and taught. He said, come away by yourselves to a remote place and rest for a while. See if this sounds like anybody's life. See if this sounds like your life. These guys have just gotten back from a great ministry experience. They're reporting to Jesus all the great things they did in ministry, right? Man, we did so many things. And people were responding and it was awesome. It was great. It was wonderful. And they were coming back and sitting down with Jesus. And it was like their small group time, right? They're having a small group with Jesus. Jesus had to say, okay, guys, we got to move. Let's, let's get up. We got to move. Okay, why? Let's read the rest of it. Come away by yourselves to a remote, to a remote place and rest a while. For many people were coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. Man, these are the apostles. And I'm not sure if you caught that, but the dude they were talking to is Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. And he says, look, I know you've had great success. I know things have been going well. I know everything was awesome. It was wonderful. It was great. But right now, you're worn out. You've expended so much of yourself spiritually right now that we need to sit down and chat. And by the way, we can't do it here. We've got to go to a remote place where nobody's around so that you and I can sit down and talk and commune together because you don't even have time to eat right now. Anybody feel that way sometimes? Bob and I were talking on our times over at Six Flags, and I said, Bob, this is my, <laughs> this is my oasis. People kind of look at me strange when I say that. Like, no, man. I can go to Six Flags and in a crowd of thousands of people not know anybody. And I can let my boys and the bo or the boys they're with, I can let them go ride rides and I can sit. And in the midst of what some people would consider chaos, I can have a place that is remote for me. I can just sit and I can read. I can just meditate. I can spend time and pray. 
That may not work for you. Six Flags may not be a place of rest for you. I don't ride rides. Remember I told you a few months ago, I'm the purse guy? Go to Six Flags, I'm the, guy that'll sit, I'm the old guy that'll sit on the bench with my little drink of Diet Coke, and you can put your purses on the bench, because nobody's going to steal them from me. And you can go ride your rides. But I can do that. And I know that that is an oasis for me. I can come away to a remote place and spend time recharging and refueling. Jesus himself said, that's vitally important for you to understand. You've got to understand that. And the third fact, and this is where we're going to end this part of the message today. The third fact is this. You must learn to rest and restore intentionally. It must be built into your life. You must learn. If you're going to be successful as a follower of Jesus, if you're going to be successful as a Christian husband or a Christian wife, if you're going to be successful as a Christian parent, if you're going to be successful as a Christian worker, if you're going to be successful as a Christian business owner, whatever it is you do in your life, if you're going to be successful in it as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, you have got to learn how to rest and restore intentionally. It has to be built into your life, into your everyday pattern of living. You've got to learn how to connect. Mark chapter 3, uh, 1, verses 35 through 37. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he got up, went out, and made his way to a deserted place. And there he was praying. Simon and his companions searched for him, and when they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. That's speaking of Jesus. Jesus himself got up early when nobody else was awake, when nobody else was around, and he went off to a deserted place. And they couldn't find him. It's okay to run and hide. It's okay. I, I give you permission because the Bible says Jesus gives you permission to go away and hide and to connect with the source of energy and passion and strength for ministry and living a life that follows Jesus Christ successfully. You have permission from the word of God. You have the example of Jesus himself of going off to a remote place all by yourself. Remember he said in, in the book of Matthew, when you pray, don't pray in public, but go to your closet. Go to your secret room and shut your door and pray to your father in secret. Listen, you're not going to be effective for others if you're not effective for yourself. And if you continue to allow yourself to burn out and wear down and burn that candle at both ends, eventually it's going to get to the middle and there'll be no more candle left. Folks, you've got to learn that it's okay in this society, in this time, in your busy, harried life, it's okay and it's a must for you to learn how to take time for yourself to restore spiritually. 2 Corinthians 12, verses 9 through 11, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in your weakness. Therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may reside in me. So I take pleasure in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and in difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then, am, then I am strong. It sounds like more doublespeak from Paul, right? But you have to understand what he's saying. When I'm at my weakest, when I am empty of all myself, when I admit that I need help and, and restoration and refueling from Jesus, 
that's when I get the strength I have. I can face all these things in life. I can face them with a smile. I can face them with courage. I can face them with passion. And I can face them and have victory because I have been strengthened by the source of all strength. Listen, folks, you're going to be worn down. If you do ministry, if you live for Jesus right in this world, it's going to exhaust you. It's going to take your energy. It's going to sap your strength. It is vital that you learn how to restore. It's vi- I think the first thing, and, it, and it, seriously, we have, to, we have to understand that we have to give ourselves permission and accept the fact that it's okay to be selfish about our personal time with Jesus Christ. It's okay. And it's vital that you recognize and it's vital that you take that time to do something about it. Next week, we'll start picking up with um, what exactly is spiritual rest? What exactly is it? My challenge to you this week is to spend some time looking at your life and examining your life day by day, moment by moment if you have to, and see what those things are that wear you out and see where you are at the end of the day and examine and be honest about what you're doing to restore yourself spiritually. Yeah, we sleep, and sleep is very important for a a Christian. It's very important for everybody. It's very important for a Christian to get the sleep you need. But that's for physical. What are you doing to restore yourself spiritually? What are you doing to restore your passion? Because one of the saddest things and one of the most difficult things to to accept and, and to try to work with is a Christian that has lost their passion. What are you doing to restore yourself? Would you bow your heads with me in prayer? With your heads bowed and your eyes closed just before we go to prayer. Um, I'm not going to ask you a question, but uh, something I want you to pray about. Um, Carol McKinnon back here um, asked me to pray for her this morning. She's been diagnosed with lung cancer. Just, just found that out. She'll be going through the, the, the process of doctor's visits and things like that. Listen, we know uh, Carol has come back from a broken hip, and she's back here with us just a short time later. We know that this is a challenge for her but we also know the power of God. And please keep her in prayer. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. Lord, what a great crowd on a summer Sunday here at New Life. Thank you, Lord, for the honesty and the truth of your word, for what it has to say to us. Lord, one of the most difficult things for us to accept and to to commit with, to, to commit to, is understanding the fact that we are not strong enough in ourselves to handle everything that comes our way especially as a spiritual follower of yours. Father, I pray that as this week unfolds before us, that we'll be conscious of what is draining our time and what is draining our passion, what is draining our spiritual energy. God, would you open our eyes spiritually to see what the challenges are that we face every day to being people of passion. Lord, give us a hunger to be back next Sunday to learn what we can do about that. As we leave here today, God, would you bless us? Would you send us off with your blessing? So that as we go out to this world, we'll go forward as worshipers. We'll go forward as servants, desiring nothing more than to lift you up to a world that is lost and dying and needs you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.